Hello and welcome to Little Live Story, the podcast where we take a movie, turn it into an anime, and an anime, and turn it into a movie. Hi, I'm Jared. And I'm Eric. All right, Eric. You ready to just get right into it today? Yeah, why? Wait, is that, does that mean I'm... Doing... No, 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 it's, it's my turn. Oh, I get even more time to prepare. Yeah. I feel spoiled. Yeah, I know. Well, we gotta work people up. If, if you don't remember what, what Eric's doing, listen to the last episode. You shill. You could have just said it. No. they No, it's either gonna be a It'll secret... It'll be in the title of half, of half the title of this episode. Well, if they can't figure it out, then... Uh, Fair enough. It's not on me. All right, you wanna know what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. What I'm having you do is probably the weirdest animeification so far. Uh, it is almost, without a doubt, the strangest adaptation I could have given you that I could think of off the top of my head. Okay. I want you to make an anime out of Space Jam. <gasps> Woo! <laughs> Space Jam. Space Jam's an awesome movie. It's not a good movie, no, but it's, it's super fun. Dumb as hell, but it is it is awesome. Yeah, it's so much fun. For the people out there who don't know what Space Jam is, right, I, I pity I, you. Yeah, I was literally I, about I, I to heard, say. I heard the, the plosive sound starting <laughs> on your fucking lips. But no, uh, Space Jam is a feature-length commercial about... Not wrong. Well, yeah, <laughs> but about... Michael Jordan, back in the 90s when he, or I don't know, sports, back in the not now times, I assume 90s, possibly 80s, when he retired from basketball and became a baseball player, except in this version, he teams up with the Looney Tunes. Yes, you heard that, people out there who don't know, as in Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweety Bird, all the Looney Tune characters, because they're being threatened by aliens from an evil space amusement park thank you and they have to win a basketball game against the aliens because reasons you know and they <laughs> press gang mr jordan into their tune world to help them win this and wayne knight's there bill murray's there not as a character just bill murray is there in the film being really fucking weird you know, had nothing to do with it. This but. movie's weird. It's crazy awesome. But even just hearing you say it back to me, it sounds crazy. It does sound. Even, How did this make it past the drawing it board? It sounds a lot more insane than it is, but yeah. it's also insane. Yeah. So. And m money is the answer to your Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're money. right. So. How will you turn that into an anime? God damn, I want to know. Okay. Uh. Right. We open with the outside view of a cafe. The cafe name is uh, above the store. I don't know the cafe name, but it is important, but I couldn't come up with it. Okay. Anyway, we see that, and we see a closed sign. We hold on that for a couple seconds. Closed sign flips. We enter through the door from a first-person perspective, and we see four, uh, let's call it like it is, hot guys standing there meeting us at the entrance. I like it. We got the tall glasses wearing one with black hair that is like the intelligent standoffish kind of guy. They're Japanese. They all have black hair. Well, no, this is an anime. Oh, okay. Go on. Uh, we got the short. Uh, athletic? Yeah, the short, athletic, hot-tempered, uh, red hair. The firebrand. Yeah, yeah. The one that's like always amped up. We got the uh, a medium height, light brown hair guy that just somehow, and I'm going to tell you this now because I don't want to point it out every time it happens, but just somehow always ends up having his shirt come off to reveal his glistening abs. I don't know how, but it's just, you know, it's part of his superpower. And the last guy who has dark brown hair, who is just way too relaxed, like way too chill. He's with the aloof one. Yes. 
So a bushel of beautiful cliches. Yes, yeah, so not only just cliches, but they're all very handsome. Okay, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm in. I'll bite. They run around the cafe, uh, setting things up, flipping over chairs, you know, setting out little decorations or whatever, until another hot guy, a blonde hair guy wearing nothing but an apron and like shorts. Once again, revealing the side. Like, you can see when his apron moves. You can see his really rock hard abs he's scolding them for not being ready to set up yet and then he goes back to the kitchen uh i just want to this is supposed to be space jam not free well i'm glad you made that reference what the hell after a little bit of them setting up we see a bunch of girls of different ages come into this cafe they come sit down and they're being like talked to by the guys and asked for the orders this is clearly this is a butler cafe it's not like a maid cafe except with i guys. was about to ask yes i was gonna this, say is this a maid cafe but with Twinks? Yeah, it's a maid cafe, but with guides. With with guides. Guys. G-U-Y's. Anyway, they do this for a while, and we get a bit of a better sense of what the personality is like as I described them before. And they're a lot like this, even with the girls, which is what they come here for anyway. Eventually, two, I'm going to call it now, oily businessmen come in through the front door, uh, walk right past the guys, go right into the back room. We hold as one of the main cast looks back at them as they glares at them as they leave the room and then we follow with them as they enter the kitchen to the blonde kid and they hold up a piece of paper which is a contract and they're like we want you to sell this place clearly they've been here before like they're just like we want you to sell this we've asked you 50 million times we've bought out all the other neighbors we're going to build a purposefully unspecific commercial building here and yours is the last place the blonde guy's like, no, I'm not selling it. This is our place. I have no intention of selling it. You guys can take your greasy contract elsewhere. They leave in a huff. So is blonde guy the main character? Is he the one standing out as the protagonist? Or are they all just this collective of They're listening a collect- eyeballs and yes, abs? Yeah. They are a collective of, you know, mascots. Okay. Yeah, so they leave the building, and we see them go through the rest of the day. They're working as waiters and whatnot for girls. They close up the shop, and they all go their separate ways. The next day, we have the same exact shot we started with, with us standing outside until the sign is flipped. We enter, and now rather than them being lined up for our display like they were in the first first time we saw them, they're now already running around and setting up the tables and chairs. So they're doing that when, before they're presumably fully ready and open, the businessmen enter again, and they're walking around now like they kind of own the place. We told you no! Yeah, they're walking around like they're pointing at tables and chairs, like, oh, that's got to move, that wall's going to need to be knocked down. They're clearly ignoring the guys like it's not even their business anymore. Blonde guy comes out, and he's like, what are you guys doing here? I told you no yesterday, and they're like, oh, don't worry, you guys will be evicted soon. And they're like, what? He's like, oh, yeah holds up a contract that we zoom in we see that blonde guy has signed his name at the bottom of the contract and everyone slowly turns over to blonde guy like what the fuck and he's like uh flashback to presumably last night when he's in a gentleman's club i don't really know exactly what it's called but it's the kind of club where there's like pretty girls sitting next to you they're offering you drinks just trying to get you to drink more and empty your purse into this the grant the establishment I don't know what kind of place that's called. Uh, it sounds like a, a just a really chast strip club. Maybe, yeah. There's, there's no, there's no actual stripping in this place. I mean, not it's presumably, on yeah, not on. Maybe, but it's not. 
primarily what it's for. It's just basically being well, then, talked I mean, to nicely by girls. And it just sounds like a casino with really manipulative employees. Yeah, probably. Whatever. It's that kind of place. It, it's, a, it's an anime thing. It does happen in anime, so. So, there's flashback to that. And he's really drunk, and they're, like, talking him up and whatever. And they push a contract in front of him, and, hand him a pen, and yeah. before he can read it, they one of them puts a hand on his hand, leads it to almost, the dotted line. Almost. It's everything up to the point where they where they kind of force him into doing it. He's, they're like, oh, you know, if you sign this, contra- sign this contract, it'll make us really happy. And then he glances at it. He does kind of, in his drunken haze, recognize that it is the, the, the businessman. He's like, oh, you know, whatever. I'd only give this whole business away if they can manage to beat me in some game i don't know like basketball or some shit signs his name now we're back at present day where they're like haha we got your signature we halt for a minute everyone just kind of angrily stares at blonde guy until the intelligent guy tall glasses wearing grabs the contract sits down he in the background and starts flipping through the contract while the businessman and the cast basically go back and forth talking about like hey you can't do that like hey you signed your name and then the intelligent guy stands up, walks over, and he says, well, actually, he read through the contract, and apparently there's a loophole. If the party receiving the property was not there at the time of the signing, any stipulations, even made by verbal, are added into the contract as to be reviewed by the party, and nothing can go through until both parties agree. Therefore, since he signed the contract, and they weren't there at the signing, the basketball game will decide who owns the business. Thank God for hearsay. Yep. I wish that's how laws worked. Yeah, well. Or, well, binding restitutions or what have you. Yeah. Anyway, so the businessmen visibly upset, like, you know, <laughs> they get in a kerfuffle and they're like, all right, fine. We will come back in one week and we will have a basketball game to decide the owner of this place. They leave and the, the main cast sighs a breath of relief and they're like, oh my God. Wait a minute. We can't play basketball. Yeah, who here knows how to play basketball? No one raises their hands. They are about to go, oh my god, this is a really bad idea, when all of a sudden, a bright orange-haired kid comes bursting through the door wearing a full basketball uniform saying, hey, can I borrow your phone? End episode one. That was a loaded episode. Yeah, I mean, I... It's a lot. Yeah. Episode two begins in Tokyo. Real Tokyo. 3D Tokyo. I was wondering if there was going to be a drop. Yes. We have, it's just a famous Japanese child TV actor. Probably he's done some anime stuff. So wait, wait, wait. Just for clarification. Yeah. Is this 3D animation or is this live action action. footage? Live action footage. Okay. Just wanted to make sure and get that out there for anyone listening. Yep. The main character right now is clearly some big Japanese actor on TV. He may have some anime spots because it's kind of impossible to fully avoid it in Japan, but I'm sure you can do it if you're determined enough. Anyway, he is going to school. He goes to classes and does normal school things. He goes to lunch, and he's eating outside when he hears the distinct sound of a basketball. Goes over to the basketball gym, peeks in, and sees the high school basketball team practicing. He looks really wistful. And then he turns himself away, goes and sits and finishes the rest of his meal. Later, at the end of the day, he is leaving school and once again hears the sound of the basketball, goes over the gymnasium, and he stays for a little while longer as he just sort of watches people playing basketball. And then he just pulls himself away and continues walking. He is now walking down the main street while reading a manga, 
which if you look closely, it isn't really perfectly shown, but if you look closely, it is a basketball manga. Uh, one of those. Yeah, well, they do exist. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. But- He's now monologuing to himself about how he used to be in the basketball team, and he had so much fun. He has memories of doing that, and that was a great time. But ever since he hurt his leg, he cannot do it anymore. And he would rather, rather than sit in the stands and cheer for his team, he'd rather just be done with all of it. So he no longer plays basketball, and he's very regretful about that. This so, kid is the baggage of a fucking 45-year-old. <laughs> anyway, he's reading the manga while he's crossing the street. Green light goes up, not looking up. He's a guy truck. Comes barreling through. Bam. Is that a thing? Yeah. So for those that don't know, there's a joke in Isekai's. A lot of main characters in Isekai's get hit by trucks. Usually they're saving someone. Sometimes they're not. But they get hit by trucks and then they're sent to another world. Oh my god. Dark Towers in Isekai. <laughs> really? Oh my god. The little boy main character gets hit by a car <laughs> when he goes to Midworld. What the hell? No. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> holy shit. So it's not every isekai, obviously, but that's like a trope enough that even isekais make fun of it. So he gets hit by the magical isekai truck. He is on the floor. His eyes are going red and he slowly closes them. And he's like, oh man, like my life ended so early. Oh shit, this sucks. Mode. And then he, when he opens them, he's... A cartoon? He's an anime. And unlike a lot of isekais, I guess it's also because they start as an anime character and they then go to next world as an anime character, but because we're juxtaposing real life versus not, he notices he's an anime character. He's like, oh my god! Yeah, he looks at his hands and he's like, holy shit, um, what's going on? He runs across the street to a shop window and looks himself in the mirror, and he's a full anime character. He's wearing a basketball uniform, and he has bright orange hair, and he just has no idea what's going on. And I assume his leg's better? Yes. He notices that a couple seconds after he looks himself in the mirror. He's like, wait a minute, I ran over here. Yeah, 100% exactly. Yep. Also, it goes without saying, but he's also very toned. How old is he? I don't know, like 16. Uh, The the, the other cast, those guys are all like old, like they're they're 20s or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I figured. But he's he's like a younger. Distinctly the youngest. Yeah. I was just picturing an actual child at first, and I was picturing a ripped child, which is just weird. Yeah. He then starts freaking out about, like, holy shit, what's going on? I've read of this in manga before, people being sent to other worlds, but there was no god to to introduce me what's going on. No one told me what's happening. What's going on? This looks like Tokyo, except just not. Like, I I don't get it. Then we have a couple minutes of him pointing at the sky, shouting things as he tries to summon magic power, which nothing happens, as you might expect. And eventually, he's like, okay, I don't know what's going on, I don't know where I am, but if this is Tokyo, maybe there's someone I know that lives here, like in this version of Tokyo. So he then, because he realizes he doesn't have a cell phone on him because he's in a different body, starts running into different buildings asking for a cell phone. He goes into one store, and they don't have one, next one, next one, next one, until eventually, he's right outside the shop. Bursts through the door, right as the scene from the end of the first episode is there, except reversed angle. Can I borrow you guys' cell phone? I need to call someone. The cast huddles up and they basically start talking amongst themselves. They're like, hey, you know, this is literally, this could be the exact thing we need. Like, he's wearing a basketball uniform. I don't know how to play basketball. I don't know about you. I mean, I know you shoot hoops, but that's about it. He could at the very least teach us what to do. Yeah, yeah, this will work out. So they hand him a cell phone in exchange for him teaching them basketball. He kind of is like, um, okay... And he are stupid. Yeah, they're not the smartest. Like the intelligent guy is intelligent, but he just they're doesn't. They're fucking himbos. <laughs> I don't even. Oh, 
I've yeah. never even heard that term. They're himbos. Okay. Except for the smart one. Yeah. Anyway, so he turns around and dials the phone number for presumably his mom, and he gets a, this number does not exist thing. He calls his friend, the number does not exist. Clearly no one he knew exists in this world. I feel like eventually when I have you do Last Action Hero, it'll be the exact same thing. You just get rid of the basketball outfit. Uh, I, I can't speak to that. I have a vague idea of what I want to do, but... It'll be a little different. Anyway, now we enter into a big training montage over the course of the week. He ends up... Where like, is this kid staying? Oh, so... If so, the, if so, the end of that whole thing was no one I know exists. So what they do is like at the end of each section of the training montage, we see him staying in the place of each individual person. Like this whole training montage is about learning about each individual cast character better like the quirks i explained are much more well defined so now we have we an like, episode about firebrand guy because he gets mad because he can't do this basketball thing an episode might be going too far this uh, whole anime is very short and i'll explain that later okay. but um so it, we Fair. get the, over the course of maybe two episodes or maybe three at most we, we're done with this yeah we're done with the training montage but the beginning of it he is like all right let me see how how well you guys can play. And he 5v1s them and wins. Wins perfectly. Like, he manages to steal the ball every time they have it. He manages to dunk uh, dunk it. Like, he is top of his game. He's basically a prodigy. Are we sure they don't just suck? Well, that is definitely part of it. But... He also is, like, showing amazing moves. Like, he's dribbling through his legs, dodging in between a, a wall of man mood. Meanwhile, during the training montage, we get a scene of the businessmen in a conference room talking to someone in English over a conference call. They basically say, so can we count on your support then? And he's like, yes, you, you can. Uh, we'll see you soon. And then that's the end of that. Eventually, it's time for the big game, and a letter has been sent to them saying, hey, go to this gym at this time. This is when we'll have our game. The They go there. It's just Yakuza fucking <laughs> dudes just kicking the shit out of them and taking the deed. What the fuck? No, but uh, they arrive at the place, and relaxed guy hands everyone a custom-made uniform that is based on our main character's uniform, Aww. the uniform he spawned in. Pin pals. Yeah, so... Was they, a Simpsons reference. Oh, well. He hands them out, and everyone is now dressed up and geared up and ready. So they go to their side of the court, and they start warming up, and then exits an American college basketball team right through the stands, and they're all giant. And th this is exaggerated also as an animation style. Anime proportions Yeah, they are huge. Even the tall black-haired guy is kind of small compared to them. Like, he can stack up, but not well. So, the match begins... At the beginning, they're actually winning. Like, they're doing reasonably well. They're, they're winning by maybe, like, three points. Like, it's kind of close. And then the coach on the American team says, All right, these guys are good enough. Swap in our real guys. They swap in the real team. Where was that in the fine fucking print? Eh. Cheaters. And it was still the college basketball team. It's just they, they were using their, like, uh. secondary. They were using their bench warmers. Uh. And uh, a real team comes out, and they start hammering them. Like, we're talking by the end of the first round, they are, they're, they're, they're like, 12 points behind. The second round is honestly much more of the same. The gap widens even more. Does basketball have rounds yeah is that how that goes? yeah i I'm, I'm lucky enough to have just seen kuroko no basket so i actually understand okay. basketball I, I, I trust yeah you. There's, I just... there's four there's four quarters and in each quarter you have 10 minutes to score as many baskets as you can so what's a round 
around a quarter doesn't really matter. It's the same thing. You have 10 minutes before the end of that. Okay. When the third round comes in, our main character subs in the relaxed guy who had been sitting on the bench the entire time for our spunky short guy. And he proves to be an amazing defender. Like he's blocking every shot, which we got inklings of during the training montage, but were never expressly shown. Like we now get a flashback to him training with him and actually kind of struggling to, yeah, exactly. As Eric mimicked, like him knocking every shot out of the air. And he kind of does that throughout this entire quarter. Like, he doesn't deny everything, but he denies enough that they're down by seven points. Yay! Fourth quarter, the match kind of gets closer and closer. They started at seven points, and they're inching closer as the time winds down until we're down to the last ten seconds. It's the enemy ball. The American team dribbles the ball towards the uh, enemy basket, and... Our main character dives in, snatches the ball, goes up to the three-point line, shoots it. As soon as it leaves his hand, we hear the buzzer. The ball is now hanging in the air, slowly spinning and spinning and spinning, and then sinks. Jumanji. They won the game by one point. As happens. Yeah. They are congratulating each other, patting each other on the back, being sweaty uh, uh, young adults and with great abs do. Fucking same. <laughs> Um, then we get the captain of the American college team come over and shake our main character's hand. Like, you you, you guys are great. Like, that was a great match. Uh, I hope we get to do this again in the future. Like, great sportsmanship shit. Okay. I would just be like, I, fly, I flew from Virginia to lose. <laughs> well, truth be told, uh, it may, maybe it's mentioned at some point because, it, it, you know, why not? That the way they got this team is to offer everyone like some sort of scholarship for coming to play for them. They, they didn't add the stipulation if they win. So to them, it didn't matter. They just came to play. And, you know, they wanted to win. But, you know, it's not like well, they least, weren't going to get it. At least they got their scholarship, yep. I guess. Anyway, the businessmen are all in a kerfuffle. They're all like, ah, we lost, we lost. And our blonde guy walks up, uh, takes the contract in their hand, and rips it up right in front of them. You've hit your quota for the word kerfuffle today. I did? How many times have you said it? Two? Just, just two. Uh, that, yeah, I guess that's, 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 two, two that's, is enough. Yeah, that's enough. The businessmen then leave in a huff, and the main characters then go back to the cafe, and they share a celebratory drink, and they're all like, yay, we did it, yay, good job. And they offer the uh, main character, the, the one that's been isekai'd, to stay with them if he wants, but he declines saying he wants to try to get away, uh, find a way back to his I own I have world. to go where I'm needed. <laughs> And then he throws a bindle over his shoulder. <laughs> no. Uh, he's like, I have to figure out how to get home. Then one of the guys is like, why don't you just try doing what you did to get here? Which is a really, really stupid idea. I mean, you, I just, you said it. I just wanted to point this out that this is the dumbest thing. But anyway, he's like, oh yeah, that, that that's a good idea. So he goes to the exact spot where he spawned into this world, waits for a truck, walks in front of it. When he opens his eyes, he is now standing where he was before he got hit by a truck. Like, he's standing on the sidewalk in 3D world. There are other worlds than these. <laughs> that This knowledge is now something I am burdened with. That was another Dark Tower quote. Oh, okay. Um, he also sees the truck that would have hit him zoom right past him. Like, clearly, no time has changed in the real world. Um, oh, convenient. He then runs over to a mirror, to, uh, same way he did when he arrived, to check himself in the mirror. And then, like he noticed in the isekai world, his leg doesn't hurt. Then, out of, you know, 
I don't know, coincidence. There was a basketball court nearby and a ball rolls up to him and hits him in the leg. And he, uh, and some kid, (laughs) I'm sorry, Eric. A kid uh, yells over to him, hey, could you pass that back? He picks it up, dribbles it over, swerves around the kid and then dunks it. Hey, asshole, I said pass it. Don't dunk on me. (laughs) And that's the end. Oh, fucking Christ. And then fly like an eagle, please. (laughs) On a freeze frame. Whoa. It is a freeze frame. It just, I don't think it's fly like an eagle. Um, all right. So, a couple things. First, this whole anime takes place over the course of six episodes. Six? Yes, this is a promotional anime for a new cafe opening up. Oh, what the fuck? Which is the same name as the cafe in the anime. I just literally could not come up with a cool name. So, just... Insert whatever name you want. Dunks. Uh, it doesn't actually have to do with basketball. Basketball is just the place that. Devil Entendre. So that's what people in Massachusetts and, call and, Dunkin' Donuts. Really? Yeah. Huh. Anyway, that's why the, the cast of characters that are in the cafe are actually their mascots. Like they, uh, you know. Uh, they, oh, in the fake real world yeah the, they, they would be the mascots yeah yeah like, they, they'll, they'll have horny cafe yes very they'll have them like on their menus and they'll have like little uh novelty napkins and stuff like that like they're they're chibi versions of these characters <laughs> okay so they wanted to build up these characters before the cafe actually opened that's pretty funny yeah i want to say this i did consider the possibility of doing it in a more like a more direct translation with Let's say Hello Kitty being yeah, there. That's like, what I. Uh, yeah, and, and but the main reason I didn't do that is basically because of time. If it was characters from like DBZ, I could match all their personalities and make them work well. But you didn't have enough knowledge going in, yeah. nor any research time to go about and look up Japanese cultural yeah, like, cartoon I know there's, icons. I know there's Hello Kitty. I know there's another one. I can't ever remember his name. But there's like, there are some I could have done, but like... They didn't I, just want to have it be fucking Shonen Jump. Yeah, exactly. Jam. Yeah, so... Shonen Jam. Shonen Jam. So I opted with this route, which I think is just equally as funny. You explained... I mean, yeah, because I, I was going to ask why you didn't go harder yeah but i mean your canon explanation for it is funny and clever so also I'll give you that yeah also the any quote-unquote plot holes or issues with the anime are intentional because this is a promotional anime and so on it's bad yeah it's not good six it, cheaply produced episodes yeah just meant to be like woo yeah, exactly. It's just a like promotion. So they didn't really the writers didn't put too much effort into it. That's why the way to get back is super dumb and All right. like, you know, and that's why the evil corporation is never named and the business they're trying to build isn't explained. <laughs> Like, things like that right. are just unimportant. I'll give you all of the Because I was... You kind of took the wind out of my sails for... I was going to say that was probably the stupidest <laughs> thing you've made. But again, at it's least a, it's intentional. Yeah, I did that on purpose. Within the fiction and without it's intentional. Yeah. So that's something. Yep. I mean, it is what it is. Yep. I can't really say anything. <laughs> you said everything... That, that you would have brought up. Kind of, yeah. yeah you, you pretty much explained or excused anything I would have said. Again, it's fucking special. Jam. Yeah, it's still. I don't know if it's dumber or less dumb <laughs> than the original. I definitely think. I personally think Space Jam is 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 way dumber. Oh, really? Like, well, I mean, and I love it, but it's like why? Like, I understand the Nike thing and whatnot with the Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan beforehand, yeah, yeah, but yeah. just without that context, who the fuck thought that Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny needed to team 
came up. I mean, we're both we both grew up in the '90s and both loved the movie. Yeah. So yeah, but like who it worked? Who in the drawing drawing room was like, you know what? Let's have these cartoon characters team up with a basketball icon turned baseball failure. And if if memory serves, that was like the first Looney Tunes movie in a long. Time. Yeah, it just boggles my mind. So I think the con- uh, I think that it's context just makes it crazier. Yeah. This episode of Little Live Story is brought to you, amazing listeners, by the lovely people of Prism Collaborative. Prism is a co-op for artists and creators looking to develop their own work while supporting others. Prism welcomes all artists regardless of location, background, or skill level. If you have been looking for a creative group to call your own while still owning your work, join Prism Collaborative. And full disclosure, Jared and I are both members of Prism, so you know they have the most rigid standards. Nah, but seriously, Prism is always accepting new members, so go to prismcollaborative.com to learn more. Now I assume it's my turn. Yeah, I think uh, basketball days are over. They're never over. In our hearts. Not in our hearts. So, remind the folks at home. All right, you're going to be doing Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. Or Duel Monsters in Japan. And Duel Monsters in what I'm calling it. Well, yeah, it's a better title. Yeah, because I'm not calling it Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Anyway, so for those of you that don't know, Yu-Gi-Oh was a way to make money. <laughs> Another one. Yeah. These uh, are actually, I was, that's not the only similarity between what we're doing. They're both corporate weird. whores. Or they're both at core. Yeah. They're both corporate. They're both corporate horror products just selling things, and as you'll see, they're both centered around a competition. Huh. Anyway, so Yugi Moto gets a Millennium Puzzle from his grandfather from ancient Egypt. He assembles it, and inside this Millennium Puzzle rests a ancient pharaoh. For the record, this is all backstory. Yeah, the backstory. It's not is... even in the show. Yeah, it's like backstory that's partially explained over the course of several episodes. Partially. Yes. Um, This pharaoh named Yami is the king of games. He is really good at them, and this world is also obsessed with the ancient Egyptian game turned card game of Duel Monsters. Yugi's grandfather runs a card shop and he, through a series of events, gets challenged to a Duel Monster competition where his Millennium Puzzle as well as his grandfather's life are on the line. Hijinks ensue. (laughs) Hijinks? Yeah, so Eric, how are you going to take this silly... I like I like I like Yu-Gi-Oh. So I don't really care for the show super much, but I love the card games. So I can only be so harsh. It's pretty fucking dumb. Yeah, it's but, pretty dumb. Um, but b- before I begin this, I will say something to keep in mind with this is this is very specifically a PG-13 made for corporate profits Paramount Pictures movie. Ooh. As in the same studio that brought you the Hasbro Michael Bay Transformers movies and the new Turtles movies. That So picture I, I, that I, I kind res- of movie. I rescind my ooh. I, I don't like it anymore. Oh, I was I thought that was a bad ooh to begin no, with. No, 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 my my ooh was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. No, too, no, no, too, yeah. oh, I don't. So yeah, picture that same glossy, sweaty, like Michael Bay yeah. produced aesthetic and lots of low angle shots, lots of 
sweat. You'll see, but so it's very specifically Paramount. Do both their things have sweaty, ripped men? No, there's no, not really ripped men in this. Oh, okay. But anyway, we open on black for a few seconds before we hear a loud choom of an industrial spotlight turning on. Where there was once black, we see an announcer standing there, almost like a ringmaster with a microphone in his hand. He then reads in our two duelists. He rattles off their win streaks, their favorite cards, all this. There's no explanation. This is just very dropping you in. Yeah, like maybe the second time through you'd understand this, but the first time... Or if you were a fan going in... Oh, so this is in-universe based on another product. Yeah, that's what I meant when I said that. Yes. As in, yeah, this is based on a real-life card game. Oh, interesting. So this is just a corporate horror movie. So so rather than the anime inspiring the card game, the card game existed and then they decided to make a movie of it. Oh, okay. All right. I got this is an adaptation of a card game in universe. Oh God, this this is going to become the Mario movie. It's really weird. All right. Anyway, so yeah, we meet our two duelists in this grand coliseum, modern, very, uh, not even modern, futuristic coliseum. There's one on one end, one on the other, and then they, much like you'd expect from Yu-Gi-Oh!, proceed to duel one another. They have the same dueling uh, gauntlet thing. Yeah, yeah. Those card holder bracelets. I own one. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, they have those things, and they also have almost VR visors on. Interesting. haptic suits so they're very very futuristic okay but they draw their cards we get maybe three minutes of this just enough where we see each of them draw a monster and the monsters clash and fight and shit so yes the monsters look the same okay and it's also like holographic projectors kind of thing yes okay more or less the same okay except again it's even more bump up the sci-fi like you can see the projectors but they're projecting into the environment and they're moving around and there's light shows and smoke this whole thing is a big to do okay But just as one of them is seemingly claiming victory over the other, we slowly pull back and realize we're watching this on a TV screen. We pull out from the TV screen into what appears to be a gambling den. Like there's smoke and card games and blackjack tables and there's tons of TVs around this whole place, all of them tuned to this exact thing. And on the lower third scroll, it says dual monster world championship tournament kind of thing. And as soon as one of them claims victory, the place explodes. People break glasses, people scream, people yell, people cheer. Are we in Brazil? What? Like, you know, Brazilians go crazy over football. Oh, dude. So. Well, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, and we don't go crazy over, like, football and shit here in America. Yeah. Well, also, I was referring to European football. Yes, I, I know. Yeah. A- anyway. I'm surprised you went for Brazil and not like... But Brazil is famous for it. I mean, I mean Brazilian I mean, soccer riots, I guess you're right. But I mean, yeah. England fucking... Well, you know, I'm not, I, it, it doesn't really matter. I just Brazil was the first one that came to my mind. It's because this place is an underworld sort of place. Like, ah. This is illegal gambling on top of it. Ah, so people, so people just lost a, their yes, fortunes. Tons of people lost money. Tons of people made money. This place is going nuts about it. Not like riotous yeah. nuts again, but people are going apeshit one way way or another and eventually as we move through this crowd of winners and losers we get to our main character and his best friend joey oh my god is joey gonna have a jersey accent why not hell yeah literally no reason not to the random jersey accent joey again as we've talked about before it's because my theory is that it's because when they're directing dub actor talent they're just like well this character is supposed to be from fucking fukuoka or some japanese place i I do not know the original sub i've never listened to it so but i assume if you're right then he probably was from kansai which is what exactly you're referring to it's just kansai dialect has a distinct sound 
on so to it. So they just equate that to random Brooklyn accents or whatever. Yeah. But so the main character and his friend Joey are both being given some money. They clearly had a bet, not anything super dramatic, but they won some money, which is awesome. Yeah. And one of them, the main character, is carrying a suitcase. How old are they? Early 20s. Okay. Maybe so mid 20s. Old enough. College kids. Yeah, old enough to be gambling. Yes. Also, is Yugi exceptionally short? Nah. No, not unlike the anime where he's a child. Nah. But with that over, we get our brief introductions to them, and they say something about getting down to business. There's not a whole shitload of dialogue between them in this scene. They're clearly here for something. This almost feels like it would be the first scene of a sequel when we're already supposed to know these people. Okay. But they walk over to an area that is marked VIP. They show their IDs. They show their winnings. And the main character flashes his suitcase open. We don't see what it is, but the bouncer and the person checking seem impressed. It's, it's full of cards. He closes it. They're allowed in and or they're escorted in and they walk down a few flights of stairs into a basement past rooms where through little slits and under doors and when doors open we can see people are dueling yeah and unlike the national coverage version of the duels we saw on TV. Literally, it looks like people playing VR. They're whole. They're still standing up, looking at each other, but they just have VR headsets on. There's no outward okay. projection. Okay, of the so so like the pe- so other people can't see what they're yes, saying. Yes, they you cannot. Also, I didn't ask this earlier, but I can ask this now because I assume will be important going forward. Because Duel Monsters, the TV show, came out first. The card game was made to actually make sense based on the show because the card game and universe came first and the movie followed it does the movie follow the rules of the not card game? perfectly no. okay so they just make up rules sometimes kind, not not entirely but no yeah i mean yeah, not I, as I bad had a as feeling the, you were gonna ask this yeah yeah the, the, the it's not that stringent about it like as you'll see later there will be bullshit that gets pulled that anyone who played the card game will be like wait a minute you ah. can't do that yeah so there'll, there'll be some random ass you cheated things kind of yeah Okay. But they are led into a room with a gentleman who is clearly a representative of a corporation or a private buyer, something. And they start haggling about wanting to buy something. Okay. Our lead is looking to buy something. Oh, Yeah, he is buying something. Oh, okay. And uh, eventually it's shown it's a very, very, very rare card. Is it a blue Ezra dragon? No. Oh. It's one of the Exodia pieces. Oh, okay. So like it's his fucking arm. Like, it's one of five Yeah, pieces. yeah, yeah. It's, it's an Exodia yes. piece. And he, this is apparently big shit news, and our lead really wants it. And he says, oh, I brought money and such and such, and I can even trade you. And then he's like, we have a deal, right? Like, we we talked about this. Like, this is clearly a long time coming. This yeah. Deal. And the representative guy's like, no, actually, uh, we have a new buyer interested in it. So we'll no longer be needing your patronage and they're like what the hell like he gets super impassioned for some reason he starts yelling he starts making a scene his friend tries to calm him down and just when he says something about his grandfather they are hauled out by bouncer security dragged out to an alleyway thrown against the wall roughed up a little bit not like ass kicked but roughed up and just as our lead tries to essentially throw himself back into it one of the guards goes a little hard like knocks him in the gut his suitcase falls open and another one of the exodia cards in there ah and the guard's like oh well i'll take that what the fuck goes inside and then our lead's like fuck like worst case scenario he freaks out and then now we finally calm down a little bit well not calm down but slow down and have a little bit more exposition about what's going on where our lead is screaming at the door about how that belonged to his grandfather and he needs his property back and how it's owed to him and he's flipping out about this there's some kind of lineage thing yeah and eventually his friend's like dude 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 you're gonna get us arrested you're gonna get us 
fucking killed. Let's go. Let's go to the police. You just stole the bouncer just stole something of mine. But they were doing something illegal too. Buying a card. Yeah, that's illegal. The, the way they were doing it. Okay. And where they were. Yeah. But so his friend eventually pulls him away and they leave. Just before they exit the scene, our lead gives one look back at the door and the club itself and has, after a bit of a pregnant pause, a question to not his friend, not even himself, just to no one in particular, to the audience, who cares, about who that other buyer might be. Then we cut to title card, dual monsters, big dramatic CG title card, and then cut again. And we see our lead alone in an old, dilapidated card shop. It's full of not just Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monster cards, but also board games and playing cards. It's It was clearly a games and game paraphernalia store, but it's dusty. Their closed sign is up. There's a for sale sign or something. There's The place is run down and no longer in operation. Okay. And he's alone and walking around with no lights on, with dramatic lighting and dust going through the god rays and stuff. And he's alone. When he walks around, he, let's say, picks up an old poster or an old ripped up sign on the floor or something and gets a moment of reminiscence that leads to a flashback where we see him as a youth and his grandfather and his grandfather is just talking about dual monster cards and the legend of whatever the hell with the specifically the exodia card which according to the lore they're giving it's <laughs> like the most rare card ever or rare card set because they yeah. go together and if you do that then nothing can beat them but individually they're very very powerful too which is something that's not oh, that, that that is yes. different yeah they are really... individually super super powerful but if you put them together they're like literally unbeatable okay but so our lead is snapped out of this flashback when joey and what was the girl character from the anime's name again? i don't remember well her okay so a female friend and joey enter they're like knock knock and they walk in and just essentially check on him mm-hmm. they're trying to get his mind off of what happened and move on from it and he's not having it he seems more set than ever to go and do this whatever this might be because he doesn't even have a plan right now he's just he's just like, edgy my- and wanting to go get it and get yeah. his grandfather's property and all this dumb shit but eventually they do that friend legolas and gimli thing we're like well if we can't stop you we'll go with you sure Uh, buddy good friends help him with illegal activities and they get a little more exposition about dual monsters itself and more flavor text about what we saw in the first couple of scenes just to fill out the world a little bit more and as we've joked about before with several animes this is a world predicated on dual monsters yeah like Dual Monsters as a game in this universe is interwoven with the economy. Huh. Like life points are money. Well, oh, oh geez. Not they don't have to. Like they're not yeah. the currency, but when you get to the professional level, yeah. your life points are currency. Wow, that sounds really easy to cheese if you're rich. A little bit. Like, hey, but it's it's like gambling. You yeah, have to yeah. buy it in. So yeah. you can't just pull it in and out. There's like a conversion or something. Yeah, yeah. They don't explain it fully and I don't care, but <laughs> their world is highly tied into this. So it's not just yeah. a game. It goes far beyond being a game. Yes. But by the end of the scene, Joey or the girl, one of the friends is like, well, we had a feeling this might happen. And if that was the case here, hands the lead a form for entrance into a tournament. Not like nationals, but it's privately funded so anyone can join. Mm-hmm. One of the prizes is one of the cards. Oh, that'd be wonderful if I stole my grandfather's card and I don't know the other card I was trying to buy. Lol. Do, 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 do they still need five? I don't remember if you said that. 
Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, five sounds right. Okay. But there's also a shitload of money. There's like several prize packages. So, so like that's the it's, grand prize, but you can win other things. Yeah. Well, no, it's like if you win, you can pick. Ah. But it's okay. like there's the Exodia package, which is like both of them. And then there's, yeah, money and all this. And they're all like, well, all for one, one for all. We're going to do this. We're going to all three of us sign up. The and smirk we're gonna... on our hand signifies our oh, friendship. Jesus, I guess. So, no mention of Joey's sister being. Not dead, but blind. No. Okay. Not. No. Then we get, uh, not again, not a montage, but sequence of scenes of them bolstering their decks, by which I mean we see them buying new cards, trading with people at trade shows and conventions, possibly stealing cards. Good for them. All sorts of things. They're just bolstering their decks, getting better and better. Mm -hmm. We see them sparring, by which I mean training with one another, dueling each other. And through this, we see that they're kind of poor. Like our main character's suit and visor are kind of crappy. Like they're visibly worn down. Sort of like Ready Player One. We're like at the beginning of the movie. He yeah, yeah, really he shitty has, suit. And yeah, yeah. Everyone else is like really nice. Yeah, that was like, that was the kind of thing I was. Imagining. Yeah, so kind of like that. And we also see them like a scene of them watching TV or watching YouTube videos of some of the people they know are gonna be in it or studying the pros just to get better. So yeah. there's a bunch of scenes of them in different ways preparing for the tournament. I also assume because it hasn't been mentioned, there is no Millennium Puzzle that nope. he currently owns. Nope. Maybe it'll happen later, but nope. Okay. Poor ancient pharaoh. Then we see a scene of our lead late at night tinkering with his peripherals like he's modifying his visor, just trying to make the best of what he can with his crappy old outdated technology and stuff. And then we get another scene where he visits his grandpa's grave and we get another flashback just hammering home how dramatic this is for him and how the hearts and the cards or whatever. I don't care. Well, if you All don't. This. I don't care, but also that's translating into the fact that this is a corporate soulless yep. movie so the people making this movie don't in care. universe don't really yep. care like they care enough to they, tr- they, they care they care enough to try to appeal to them but not care yeah. enough to actually care about it yeah it's they're phoning it in a little bit but as soon as this flashback's over and our lead drops a, sheds a single tear onto his grandfather's grave and wipes it away with his thumb we hear someone clear their throat and he looks over and sees I'll just say it now. Our equivalent of Kaiba. Uh, I was wondering if it was Seto Kaiba. Yes. Okay. Again, for anyone out there, the antagonist. One of the antagonists. Well, I just this show's equivalent of like uh, the best analog. I think this show's equivalent of Malfoy from Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, so he's there, and they have a brief conversation, just like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, visiting my grandfather. He's like, oh, I'm visiting someone's too. And Kaiba has flowers that he walks away and lays it on <laughs> He has someone. a wad of cash that he just lays he on. He puts it onto a grave. Yeah. <laughs> Same. He's like, I, I, I couldn't be bothered to go to the flower shop, so here's just a stack of hundreds. There's nothing super revelatory here, but it's just mostly too set up that this character exists, and they've met. Yeah. But- the thing that was revealed through that flashback was something that his grandfather had shown him when he was a kid that he now remembers. So he runs back to the shop, goes into a secret hiding place thing in like the walls or behind a safe or behind a picture, something, and pulls out a very rare card that his grandfather had stashed among okay. amongst some lesser rare cards. It's yeah. not, again, not one of the five Exodia pieces or whatever, but just a very rare card that okay. he's like, sweet. Then we get to the scene where they're all signing up for the tournament. You 
giving their information, signing up with their decks that you have to clear beforehand to make sure they're up to regulation or whatever. And we meet some of the contestants, sub antagonists mostly. Like there's a few nice people or neutral people, but though they, who cares about them in a scene like this? Yeah. You're focusing on the cocky rich asshole and then the aggro asshole. Yep. Because you're like, oh man, I hope our guys beat them. Yep. Everyone else be damned. Yeah. Everyone else, like you're just nice and we'll just lose off screen. But those two, ooh. Yep. Plot twist. Those two aggro people lose in the first round. <laughs> Wrecked. Then after that, we get a night before scene where our leads are all just up late drinking together. Like they have a toast to good luck to one another saying, what are you going to do with your winnings? What are you going to do with your winnings? And, you know, our leads obviously like, I'm going to get my grandfather's cards and put them back where he wanted them, not just being used in stupid tournaments. Like I'm going to do what he washed. Yeah. Like, like my grandfather wanted, he wanted these playing cards not to be ever played. Yes, he was a collector. So he wanted them to be useless. Yeah. Great idea, Gramps. And Joey says something about wanting to visit his sister, I guess. Like, I don't know anything else to give him. And the character's kind of retained. He's snarky and he's his best friend. There's nothing else. And then the girl says something about wanting to open up her own uh, cafe or something like that. Mm -hmm. She could just visit the cafe I made in my my, uh, Space Jam. They'd have to kill themselves first. Yeah, they'd have to run into the isekai truck. Yeah, which not every truck is an isekai yeah, truck. Yeah, no, no, no. Finding you, the right truck yeah, it's is the, the tricky part. It's the right truck at the right time because every isekai truck is out of control in a little bit and you have to be in the right circumstances, like either not paying attention or saving someone or something. And then you also need to just be doing, you need to have a god smiling upon you at that moment. Like there's a lot of planets that need to align. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, but sorry, <laughs> mo- moving on. Um, next scene is the beginning of the tournament itself. And this is like not even end of the second act, probably. This is like middle of the movie. So the whole second half of the movie is, is the, the tournament. tournament. Yes. Okay. And we see a couple of the, because our, our lead and friends don't go first. So we get the first few duels mostly over people's shoulders or on little TV screens from the green room or behind the scenes or whatever. We don't really see much of them because our leads aren't really watching. They don't specifically care. But before too long, it's Joey's turn. He goes and he wins his first match. Not by a lot, but he wins. So woo, he's Is, on. I mean, you didn't get to it, but you also know. So does he specialize with the red eyes, black dragon? Uh. Uh, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. It's his, like, blue eyes, white dragon version, except it's just weaker and not as good. Just might as well use the blue eyes, white dragon. It's same summoning number. Yep. Still need to sacrifice two monsters. It doesn't matter. I play Yu-Gi-Oh. I noticed. Anyway... <laughs> Um, our lead goes next and he's up against the really cocky aggro guy from earlier and they go at it. They back and forth. One's winning and the other's winning. It's a little bit dramatic, but just as our lead starts to get the upper hand, his peripherals start shitting the bed. Like his visor starts screwing out. So he's not focusing. He can't make the right decisions or it's affecting his playing. And we get one shot of the shadowy judge person up in the judge box noticing this. Like when it yeah. fucks out, he's like, hmm. like just the, he's darkly lit and we get that moment, but our lead pulls through and still manages to win just barely, but mm-hmm. he still does. So that's all that really matters. Yep. Because this is a tournament, are the life points being given to them on a like temporary basis? Do they have to buy each turn? Because you met you went out of your way to mention that like the life points are equivalent to money in, in a I way. I said that in the professional things. Okay, this well, is yeah, private. But, okay, so being not a professional super tournament. No, yeah, the, the, a, there was a buy-in at the beginning, but it's okay, all, it's like okay, I was just curious. 
I don't know if that was going to become an issue later. Like, he was going to be like, oh, man, I don't have any more money to buy more life points. Oops. But after a lead wins, he runs backstage, has a hugging celebration with his friends. Like, oh, yeah, we're in it. We're doing this. But then, called by the guy he just beat, staff walks over and they're like, uh, sir, can we see your haptics, your, your peripherals and shit? Because uh, they might not be up to regulation snuff. And if so, then we might have to disqualify you going forward. And he's like, oh, fucking crap. <laughs> like, thanks for ratting on me, douchebag. And just as he starts to turn in his stuff, a courier walks over with a box. Who's like, oh, uh, lead, uh, is this you? He's like, uh, yes. Yeah. He's like, your new equipment's here. Like, sorry, it took so long. He's like, what? <laughs> Signs for it, confused, opens it up. And there's a brand new set of like a visor and the haptics and the controller, like a new dueling gauntlet yeah. thingy. So he's like, uh, I was just waiting for this to get here. Of course I was going to use... Yeah, regulation equipment. Old equipment. Yeah, so this is a handicap, really. Uh, so they, they quit hassling him, and he's yeah. like, what the fuck was that about? And they're like, who cares? Take it. After one dramatic line of, all right, guys, we're in this to win this. Let's do it. Then we get a montage of duel after duel after duel with big flashy effects of virtual digital monsters projecting, hitting each other, doing things, people losing, people crying, people cheering, people on TV watching. Always intercut with the person up in the judge's box watching from mm -hmm. the darkness at the very end of the montage the happy triumphant badass music halts because joey loses oh. whoops and then we're into the semifinals, which is our lead versus one of the rude people from the beginning and our girlfriend person versus another one of them. Just because I'm curious, is Kaiba fighting the girl or fighting Yugi? Neither. Oh, Kaiba's not, not nope. here? Nope. Oh. oh, then maybe Kaiba's up there. I don't know. I, I thought it was the Millennium Eye guy. But Joey takes his uh, his loss in stride. He's like, well, you know, if I hadn't lost, we would have had to fight next because, you know, semifinals, only one of us can win. And I didn't want to have to beat you, buddy. You know, just, he's clearly a good friend because yeah. he's really disappointed. But he's like, uh, it's cool. Go us. Yeah. I mean, we made it to the end almost all together. So, yeah. But there's an announcement made that to expedite the process of this tournament, the next two duels will happen at the same time, concurrently. One on one side, one on the other. Weird. Usually you separate them, especially for when you're that close to the end. You'd but, think. Yeah, because, you know. But yeah, they're like, okay, that's, sure. Yeah, like, I mean, for the duelist, it doesn't matter. But for the people watching, it's like, what I want. those are the matches I was most curious about. Yep, but they do it. But so they have duels that we have intercut with one another. And it's dramatic and difficult because they're up against bad guys and it's high stakes at this point and just as the friend loses her match our character because he was paying attention to that instead of his own match because he's like oh no she lost yeah. he plays the wrong card makes a big flub a big fuck up that puts him in a really bad spot ah but he recovers just barely and he wins nice yeah he wins his match and then it's on to the finals which is him versus guy who beat both girlfriend. joey and ah, girlfriend okay. So this guy's riding high on, because he knows they're all friends. So he's like, oh, yeah, beat them. Now I'm going to beat you. Yeah. yeah, and then I'm going to win the tournament because I'm awesome. Yeah, he's just a complete dink. Is is he the, the bug guy from? Mm, I guess the equivalent. It doesn't really okay. matter. It, yeah, it, it doesn't literally matter. doesn't matter. But our lead gets a pep talk from his friends, and we get another flashback to his grandpa talking about, again, heart of the cards or something appropriate for the scene. Yeah. 
Yugi, you must believe in the heart of the cards. Then he walks out. He shakes the hands of the guy because that's regulation or whatever. They start their thing. And the second card that our lead draws is that super rare card that he got from his grandpa's stash. And he plays it on a complete gamble because he doesn't know this card very well, but he just plays it because he's like, sure, it it says it has a hidden status effect. Let's see what happens. He plays it and almost anticlimactically, our lead wins in like three moves. Wow. Yeah, he womps this guy like just one two three like satisfact canceled something out so the guy had no defense and then it was just like one hit two hit guy's life points down he loses yeah so he's like holy crap i won like even us as the audience like wait that was it like that was what (laughs) that was a climactic battle like okay Everyone runs out, there's cheering, there's applause, and just as he's like, okay, so where do I go to collect my microphone turns on from the judge's box, voice says, there's going to be a change in tonight's event. And Kaiba Ah, walks out and essentially says, read the fine print, bitches, because I'm changing the rules, and now this is the final duel of the evening. I just seated myself in the champion spot to fight the winner. Pretty much, yeah. He's personally funded this whole affair. Yeah, so no one can really say no to him. Exactly. He's like, what are you going to do? Say no? Then you did this for nothing. Yeah. And our lead's like, holy crap, I met that guy. Weird. Who is that? This is a moment of, it's mostly confusion, but he's like, okay, let's... Let's, Let's do go. it. Yeah. And at this point, at this point, we learn that our antagonist there, Kaiba, whatever you want to call him, loves to talk. He is ah. monologuing the entire time, gloating about himself and or so just talking himself up as they're dueling. And he's explaining how he's winning as he's doing it. And it's working. He's essentially like, oh, I'll, I'm either going to draw this card, this card, or this card. It doesn't really matter which because I'll do this, does it. Our lead takes a bad hit, whatever. And he, it's really tense because he's kicking the crap out of our lead because he has like the best deck ever. ever. Yeah. Money can buy victory and happiness in this world, I guess. Because pretty much. Yeah. But to speed this up, our lead wins in the very end because our antagonist undervalued one of his weak cards. Our lead the entire time was hoping, he's like, oh, I have this one really powerful card. If I get it, I'll win. If I get it, I'll win. But he kept drawing lower ones. And one of them he just put like in defense mode, whatever, with a status effect that would just do one little thing. And he's like, oh, this is nothing, but I guess I'll use it. And the antagonist entirely ignored it. And it just counters something or just some little unknown effect that he completely ignored. Just again, he undervalued something that he perceived as weak. Maybe it had something to do with like, it was a very specific situation, which would lower him monsters attack points something or something like that so some, some, so like some very specific yeah, some thing. very specific thing but again the point is he undervalued something he perceived as lesser and it cost him the game mm. to everyone's surprise our antagonist takes it very well, well he's good. fucking shocked for like five whole seconds when he loses but he just adjusts his collar takes off his visor walks over dramatically with no music no noise just the f- echoey footfalls on the ground Extends a hand to be shook. Our lead goes to shake the hand. They shake for like two whole seconds before our antagonist makes some playful threat. Something about a rematch or, you know, that won't happen again sort of thing. It's a threat, but it's yeah. somewhat Yeah, it's like, you, you, you play well, but I assure you next time we meet, yeah. you, it will like not you, turn out the You play same. well, but most people don't rely on luck. It yeah. doesn't suit you, that kind of thing. But then, as soon as that's over, then our lead gets all of his winnings, he gets his grandfather's cards back, and um, the winnings themselves, too, like, 
shitload of money. All his friends and a bunch of random onlookers rush over. They throw him up on their shoulders. They're cheering. They're cheering. He's like, oh, what do you want to do? Like I'm Joey says something. going to Disneyland. No. But Joey's like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, let's have a party. And on that, we jokingly cut to them all asleep on uh, our lead's couch. <laughs> Like, there's clearly, like, there's pizza boxes. Yeah, like, like they, 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 they had fun. But... Yeah, but they're just like, they needed to crash after all the stress of that whole affair. Yeah. But our lead is the only one who's actually not asleep. He's just among the other two who are both. And he stands up from the couch, kind of looks on at them, smiles at them, goes downstairs to the store, because assumedly lived on the second floor yeah. of the closed down store. And then he... Puts all of the cards he got that were his grandpa's back in this pristine uh, collection sleeve, like those plastic sleeves that you put cards yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And never touches them again. He just slips them in his sleeve and looks at them for a minute. Then his phone rings. He looks at it. And he has like 75 missed calls, hundreds of texts. Because he's already getting like um, Invi- endorsement yeah, deals. Invitations and, yeah, and- people saying like, oh, come be in our professional team. Come like, I'll sponsor you. Oh, I'll do this. Like, oh, uh, I have a commercial deal for you because you won this. Because even though it was a private thing, it's still really Yeah, big. like it was as big as you can get while still not being like anything. A pro. Yeah. Yeah. So he's getting... Bl- his phone's blowing up about it already. There's probably some high-profile people there just watching. Mm-hmm. But he puts the card sleeve back in the safe, closes it, walks to the door, turns around, hits the lights, credits. Post-credits scene. Ah, I see. I see you're influenced by the MCU. Never mind. <laughs> just go ahead i've already done one before i know i'm just i'm just making a joke yeah but um we see our antagonist the kaiba talking to his boss about his loss he essentially walks into an office and is like uh so i i I lost and i guess in doing so i lost the cards no big deal really and his boss is like you think i don't know that you lost it's like it's on every TV, every computer, every phone in the world, and you think I don't know that? <laughs> He's like, all right, um, good, good point. This mystery person who Kai was talking to is like, all right, doesn't really matter. It just means that we're gonna have to do something about this. He's like, bust some knees. Nah, <laughs> it could maybe no. <laughs> And he walks over to his own safe, uh, does the combo, opens it, and inside we see an Egyptian pendant. Ah, I knew it was going to come at the end. Just on that, we cut to real credits, the end. Woo! He said it's over budget, schlocky, a little bit stupid, very, very corporate. Yeah. So the question I have, which I don't know if you came up with, but is was this accepted well by the card community? Like in the fake world that this was released into? Yeah. Like was eh. how this uh, it did okay, like is eh. Eh. fan? Yeah. Like it made a shitload of money. It got kind of bad reviews, and fans of the source material were like, eh. Like like it's They're like it's uh, kind of dumb. They're like it gets some shit right. It's cool to see the monsters yeah so it's soft across the board except for the money it had softly eh, reception okay and uh directed by justin lynn who did like some fast and furious movies and he did um he did the third star trek movie of the new ones oh okay the the one that wasn't abrams he did star trek beyond okay so yeah he can do flashy similar to michael bay but not actually michael bay aesthetic high energy any actors no no i feel like i could have but i just nothing hit me nothing nothing was like this guy needs to be in it yeah Nothing really. That's and, fair. Yeah. So that's it. Any questions? Uh, I feel like I asked my big one. No, I, I think I think I'm all good. Okay. So that was your adaptation of Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, not really as 
big as you'd expect, and not as big as your Star Wars one or anything. No, but that that's fine. Yeah. It, it, if we decide, it, it just hit me right because Yu-Gi-Oh is a big corporate horror of a product. So yeah. It felt right to throw it back into the American world of corporate <laughs> whoring. <laughs> but uh, so that concludes our knowing what we're gonna do long beforehand thing. Yeah. Because I'm not telling you because no one would give a shit yeah i know what you're doing next but it's it's a lot smaller scale and a lot more humble all right well keep it a secret until next episode just said that well i'm reminding you in case you forgot all right remember the whole jared letter n eric one twitter if you want to follow us or talk to us or yell at us or anything at us tell me how wrong i am because i probably am about what I don't know. Fair enough. There's things you can nitpick. No shit. Um, I don't know. Today's thing was pretty nitpick proof because your thing was just intentionally stupid. Yeah, but I still could be wrong. People will probably, yeah. Um, Any hoodly doodle. Anyway, so you did the shilling for me, so. Yeah, there you go. It doesn't always have to be. No. You did the intro, so I did the shilling. I guess that's fair. All right. Well, then. I'm Eric and stretching. I'm Jared and not stretching. And thank you for listening to our little live story. And have a wonderful day.